0: Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Highland Park Baptist Church. The preaching and teaching ministry of Highland Park is led by our pastor, Dr. Jeremy Wallace. Our desire is to help you grow in your faith so that you can better glorify God, make disciples and love others. To learn more, visit us at hpbc.church. Now, here's this week's message. There's a song called 10,000 Reasons. How many of you have heard the song 10,000 Reasons? I know probably a lot of you have. I think we've done it here before at some point. It is based on this psalm, Psalm 103. And if you are familiar with with that song, as we go through this, you'll you'll kind of be reminded of some truths. But what I want to do this morning, this is just a a hopefully a helpful reminder and encouragement and exhortation, so to speak. I just want to Help us this morning to be reminded of all the reasons we have to be thankful. And as a result of that, thankfulness, I think, is really a condition in our heart that is expressed through praise. I really think that as you and I become more and more thankful for all the good things that God has done for us, the, the, the more that we are aware of how good God is, the more thankful we are in our heart. That thankfulness is demonstrated outwardly through praise, And so what we're going to see this morning, really the question that I'm asking is, how are we to praise God? How are we to praise God? If you have your Bible, Psalm 103, and we're going to jump right into the outline, and again, we're just going to walk through this, and this is hopefully just, again, just a, it's not going to be long, it's nothing complex, nothing new, it's just a reminder from Psalm 103 of how we should praise God as a result of our thankfulness. I want to begin reading in verse number one, here's what it says, my soul praise Yahweh, and all that is within me, praise his holy name. My soul, praise the Lord, and do not forget all his benefits. Let's pause right there for a second. The first question on your outline, you see this on the screen, is how should I praise God? Or the question for all of us is how should we praise God? I mean, when we start thinking about how good God has been to us, and maybe you think back over the past year, or maybe the the past period of your life where it's been filled with blessings, and yeah, there's been some hard times and some difficulties, but overall, God has blessed you, He has provided for you, He has um, protected you, have all of these things that God has done for you. The question then is, how should I praise God as an overflow of my thanksgiving? And the verse shows us the answer here. Bless the Lord. Or my soul praises Yahweh, all that is within me, praise His holy name. Notice that second phrase, all that is within me. So when we're asking this question, how should I praise God? The answer is, with all that is within me. Now when you think about that phrase, all that is within me, and you start really meditating on it, it's a powerful phrase. The answer to the question, all that is within me, with all that I am, David is concerned that we not only go through the motions of praise, but that we demonstrate praise with everything that is within us. David wants to praise God with his strength, with his might, with all his soul. See, this idea of praising God with all that is within us means that we cannot come to worship God and leave our minds at home. We can't come to worship God and to praise God and simply show up and go through the motions and then honestly be able to say that I am praising God with all that is within me, that I am blessing the Lord with all that is within me. What David is saying here is when I think about how good God has been to me, and if you think through the life of David, you hear the forgiveness that david experienced and the protection that david experienced and the provision that god provided. when you look at the life of david he's saying when i come to worship god and when i come to praise god i have to come with everything i have everything now i for since i was the age of two i would go to tennessee football games (laughs) what's the coffin and clearing your throats I would, I would, this year's been a rough year, but I would go to, every year we'd go to at least one Tennessee football game, and when you're going to the stadium, there's this, and those of you who have been to a, a big stadium before, you'll understand this, you go into the stadium and there's 103, 104, even at some points, 106,000 people, and I remember one game especially, we took, we took, we took Eric, we took him to this football game, and with it's packed, it's Packed. We're playing, I think we're playing Alabama, and it's packed. And the first play of the game, we intercept it and run it back for a touchdown. Now, this is exciting to Tennessee fans. I mean, some of the rest of you are like, yeah, we see that every week. We we don't. So this was exciting. What do you think happened in the stadium? It was crazy. Everybody was up, and everybody had their arms in the air, and everybody was yelling, and everybody was screaming. With all that they had, they were celebrating this touchdown. The problem is sometimes when we come to the worship of God, we come half-heartedly. And I'm not suggesting that we treat the worship of God like a football game, but what I am suggesting is that we put as much of ourselves into it. Mentally, we're engaged in the praise of God. Physically, we're engaged in the praise of God. Emotionally, we're engaged in the praise of God. When we truly come to the worship of God and to the praise of God, we are overwhelmed by all that God has done for us and so that we can honestly say when we leave each and every week that we have come and worshiped and praised with all that we have, with all my soul, with all my being. When is the last time that you've honestly been able to leave a worship service and you've been honestly able to say, I have worshiped God with all that I have? I have praised God with all that I am. Maybe it's been a while for you. I mean, maybe it's been a while since you've honestly been able to say, I've given my all in the worship and the praise of God. The praise that is due God, the praise that we should offer to God, is a praise that is driven by all that is within us. It's a challenge. Do not go through the motions. Do not be half-hearted in your worship. Do not be distracted in your praise. So the first question, how should I praise God? With all my soul, with all that I have, with all of my being. Number two, the question, second question is, why should I praise God? It's a good question, why should I praise God? So I understand how, with all that I am, but what drives this? Why should I praise God? Look at verse three, starting in verse three down through verse five. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with goodness. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. Why should I praise God? There's certainly a number of endless reasons we should give for this, but David focuses in on, on the spiritual components of why we should praise him. It's, it's almost as if David is looking, and as he's writing this psalm, he's, he's sitting back and saying, I don't want to forget what God has done. I mean, I know God is protected, and I know God is provided, but even more foundationally than that, there are some spiritual truths that should drive our praise. Why, why should we praise God? Generally because all of His benefits. Generally because of all that He has done for us. But He mentions four specific things. I want to give you these four things, and my hope is that throughout this week, you will remember these four things and let these four things drive your praise and your thankfulness. Here's the first one. A, forgiveness of sins. Are you thankful for the forgiveness of sins? I mean, where would we be without God's forgiveness? This is the greatest of all of God's blessings because it meets our greatest need. Certainly, we need to be thankful for our jobs and homes and cars and possessions and stuff. But where would, where would we be if we had all of those things, but we did not have forgiveness? Where would we be if we had all of the possessions, but we lacked God's forgiveness. Where would we be if we had all the stuff, but yet we lost our souls? See, the forgiveness of sins is the greatest benefit any of us can receive because it required that God give His Son to die so that we could have the forgiveness of sins. Skip down and look at verse 12. I want you to see how David views how our sins are forgiven. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions or our sins from us. So David is looking, said, the number one reason why I praise God, the number one reason I have to worship God is for the forgiveness of sins and when, when God forgives our sins, it's not just that he decides to overlook it for a period of time. He casts it as far as the east is from the west and he dairies, buries it in the depths of the ocean to remember it no more this is a conscious decision of god to never bring your sin against you again think about this you know how the bible says that god he, he will remember our sins no more this, this doesn't mean that god somehow becomes forgetful god knows all things what this means, technically, is that he makes a decision, a permanent, eternal, everlasting to this decision to never bring your sin and hold it against you again. Think about that. He knows every evil thought, every action, every word, and if we were to put all of your sins up on the screen this morning, we, we, we won't. That'd be kind of a difficult morning, right? Right? Understand that in God's mind, he knows every sin that you ever committed because of the sacrifice of Christ, because of the forgiveness of sins. God is looking at you this morning and he is promising you, I will never bring your sin against you again. It has been forgiven. It has been cast as far as the east is from the west. It has been buried in the depths of the sea. You will never have to answer for these sins again because Christ has paid the penalty. The forgiveness of sins is the first reason we have to praise God. The second reason is healing. Verse three says, who heals all your diseases. And what David is saying here is that when we are healed, whenever we experience healing from minor sicknesses to serious diseases, it is God who has done it. God is the healer of the body, He is the great physician. When we are healthy, as we often are, it is God who gives health. I mean, if you can look back over the previous year and you can see times that you've been sick, not feeling well, and you have been healed, you have gotten over that. Or times, maybe you look back over the previous year and you've not had any serious sickness at all. Guess what? That is God. That is God in your life. When we're able to get up and go to work, when we're able to minister to others, when we're able to enjoy things of life, when we are able to function, it is God who allows that. It is God who gives health. It is God who gives healing. And David, I can imagine, looks back over his life, and in his mind he's remembering the times where he was hiding in a cave, fearing for his life, in his mind thinking, today might be the day that I die. And he looks back over that and says, God, you protected me. You saved my life. You gave healing. We can praise God because of forgiveness of sins. We can praise God because of healing. See, we can praise God because of redemption. Look at verse 4. He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with faithful love and compassion. This is the idea that your life was headed to destruction. That you were on a path and your life was headed to destruction. This is not talking about materially. This is not talking relationally. This is talking spiritually. Your life was headed to destruction. You had no hope. You had nothing, nothing to look forward to. You had no promise of eternal life. No promise of forgiveness. No promise of redemption. Your life was headed to the pit. But God redeemed. Does so you might know what the word redeemed literally means to buy back, to purchase. It's the idea that you were headed in a direction, and it wasn't a direction that you could just gradually and just wake up one morning and say, you know what, I think I want to go a different direction. It's the idea that a price had to be paid so that your direction could change. You were headed in this direction, headed towards destruction, and there was divine intervention so that God looked at you, and he's, he pays the price so that your life can change. And David says, I, I realize I can praise God because of this redemption. And then the fourth thing is satisfaction. Verse five, he satisfies you with goodness. Your youth is renewed like an eagle. God did not rescue us to a, to a miserable future, he rescued us and then satisfies us with. Good things. Every good and perfect gift comes from where? Remember what it says? The Father above. Every good thing you have is from God. He's not just come to give you life, but life more abundantly. Every blessing you have experienced, everything you have, every blessing that has come into your life, every protection is from God. So why should I praise God for His forgiveness of sins, for healing, redemption, satisfaction? All of these things are given to you from the hand of God who owed you nothing and owed me absolutely nothing. The next part of this psalm, though, kind of transitions because it almost focuses on how I should praise God, why I should praise God, but then the, the, the focus shifts to what is God like? And, and, and just as a reminder, and I say this often and you may be tired of hearing it, we don't just praise God and worship God for what He does for us, we praise and worship God simply for who He is. And this is important because if we just praise and worship God for what he does for us, what's going to happen when we go through difficulties in life? The praise stops and the worship stops. What David is doing here is he's is reminding us yes, we praise God for all of the good things that he does for us. But in those times, like we've talked about with, with Joseph and we talked about with Job, when the bottom falls out, we can still praise and worship God for who he is. And then he goes through and he mentions four things about. What God does and who God is. And this all flows from the nature and the character of God. There's several things he points out. Here's the first one. In fact, before I do that, let me read verse 6 to you. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and rich in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. Verse 10, he has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our offense. Verse 17, but from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him and his righteousness. Again, four things. Here's the first one. He works righteousness Saw this in verse 6. The Lord executes acts of righteousness. Why does the Lord act righteously and work righteousness? It's connected to His character. He is holy. He is righteous. So God does works of righteousness. He acts righteously because He Himself is righteous. B, He is compassionate. Verse 8 and verse 9 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. And I love this last phrase, rich in faithful love. It's the idea that God just doesn't have a little bit of faithful love over here. You know what? It might run out before he gets to you. It's the idea that there is an abundance of wealth and riches that define God's faithful love. He has more faithful love than you have sin. And I don't know about you, but we have a lot of sin, don't we? There is more love, more compassion, more grace, more mercy, more forgiveness in God than there is sin in all of us combined. No matter what we can do, God is there eager and willing to forgive. Why? Because he is compassionate. You think about the ministry of Jesus. And multiple times in the New Testament, as he was traveling from village to village and town to town and city to city, he would come up, especially when he'd get to some of these larger towns, he would look over and he would see the crowds gathering. And do you remember what what the, the Gospels say? He was moved with compassion because they were as sheep having no shepherd. And this compassion then drove him to action. This compassion led him to this place where he would go into these towns and many times he would heal or he would feed or he would, he would give the, the, the things that, were, that they physically needed, but then it always led to truth. God is compassionate. He is merciful. Look at verse 8 again. The Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, rich in faithful love. And I love verse 9. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. In the number 10, or excuse me, number C verse 10, we see that He does not treat us as our sins deserve. I love this verse. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our offenses. So let me ask you: if God repaid you as your sins deserved, or he treated you as your sins deserved, what would happen? I see people doing this. What would happen? We would be in hell right now. Eternal hell. If God, and this is true for everyone in this room, if God treated you as your sins deserved, and he interacted with you based on how you have offended him, every single one of us in this room this morning would be cast immediately into a lake of fire because we deserve the divine and everlasting just wrath of a holy God. That is what we deserve. David is looking at this and he's saying, I praise God and I worship God and I am thankful to God. And one of the things I I learn about God is that he does not treat me as my sins deserve. The fact that you are alive and breathing right now is testimony of the fact that God has not treated you as your sins deserve. I mean, if there is no other reason... This year, to give thanks to God and to worship God and to praise God and to honestly be able to say, I am praising him with all that I am. You should be able to praise him with all that you are simply because he has not treated you as your sins deserve. And when you sin later today, you will not be treated as your sins deserve. Because most of us probably will sin later today, right? Yes? I mean, I'm getting. Unfortunately, we're we're actually after the service later today. We're driving to Tennessee, and so I'm going to be in a car with three other people for six and a half hours. There will be some sinning. (laughs) By by the back seat, of course. I mean the boys, of course. (laughs) We should be thankful. Just as we go through and we think of all of our blessings and we name them one and one by one, the exact same time we could go through and we could think of all of our offenses and simply be thankful that he does not treat us as our sins deserve. What a blessing. Then the fourth thing we see in this is that his love is from everlasting to everlasting. We saw this in verse 17. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him. His love is from everlasting to everlasting. Notice how it says it. says it From eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him. So notice how this is stressed several ways. It could just say the Lord is faithful in his love. And that would be powerful enough, but when he says from eternity to eternity, his faithful love, he is reiterating the fact that God's love is everlasting and his love is faithful and his love is never ending. I mean, it's a reminder of the fact that no matter what happens in your life, nothing changes the love of God. We can go to Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite chapters in the New Testament. It says, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? And it goes through and Paul lists all of these things, famine, sword, nakedness, death, sickness, peril. All of these things are to list, And he concludes this chapter by saying, I am convinced that nothing, nothing is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No disease you can face can separate you from the love of God. No trial you endure can separate you from the love of God. No sin you commit can separate you from the love of God. You are secure in the love of God because his love is faithful. His love is from everlasting to everlasting. Here's what this means. No matter how far back you go into eternity, you will find the faithful love of God. And no longer how far forward you go into eternity, you will find the faithful love of God. And there is no time in between where God's love for you cannot be defined as faithful. He is eternal in his love for you. It's not just that he exists eternally. He does, but he exists eternally. And in this eternal existence, his love for us is faithful. You know, I think about this. And and we could just kind of wipe the slate clean. If we were writing a list of reasons to praise God and reasons to be thankful this week of Thanksgiving, we have a lot just from this text, And really, everything that we're seeing in this text is far more important and far more foundational to all the other things that we typically put on our lists. The final question on your outline is this. Who should praise God? Who should praise God? I want to read verse 20 through verse 22. Here's what it says. Praise the Lord, and as I'm reading this, I want you to notice who all is instructed to praise the Lord in this, all right? Praise the Lord, all his angels of great strength who do his word, obedient to his command. Verse 21, praise the Lord, all his armies, his servants who do his will. Verse 22, praise the Lord, all his works and all the places where he rules. Then notice this last phrase, my soul prays Yahweh, or praise the Lord. You see, His angels are instructed to praise the Lord, all the heavenly host, His armies are instructed to praise the Lord, all His creation. In verse 22, is instructed to praise the Lord. And then finally, that last phrase, we, you, are instructed to praise the Lord this morning. You are instructed to praise the Lord. You have the instruction to praise Him. So here's the final question. This is not on your outline, but this is the final question I want to ask you this morning. Is there any real praise in your heart? I mean, as you've come to worship this morning, is there any real praise in your heart where you can honestly stand and say, I praise him with all that I am, and I worship him with all that I am, and I can honestly say that I praise God with all of my being. And when you start thinking back all of the reasons why you have to praise him, you begin to understand very clearly, you have the forgiveness of sins, and God does not treat you as your sins deserve. I was meeting with someone, this was a number of years ago. And a, a, a lady in church and we were talking, it was getting close to Thanksgiving and she was, this this individual was struggling with depression and discouragement, just down and really was having a hard time coming out of this period of depression in her life. And some of you may have been in periods like this. And so one of the things that I, I asked her to do and that she was to do this between our, our The counseling meeting we were in and the one that was going to be meeting next week, one of the things she was supposed to do during the week was to get a piece of paper and write down all the things you have to be thankful for. Which, by the way, is a good practice for any of us. But this was her homework for this week. And just to write down and come up with at least 25 to 50 things that you are thankful for. Many of us, a lot of us can name four or five pretty quick, but then we have to give dedicated time and attention to come up with 25, 30, 40, 50 and as, we were, as I was explaining that this was what she needed to do over the next week, she's like, I just don't have anything to be thankful for. And I've talked with a lot of people that that's their mentality. I just don't have anything to be thankful for. And understandably, this person was going through a very difficult time. But when we come to this time of thanksgiving, I think we all have to understand, at least as believers in Christ, we have so much to be thankful for. I read an illustration this week that I found pretty interesting that I think helps us understand that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what has happened in your life, you have a reason to be thankful. I read about this man, and this is kind of the the profile of his life. When he was seven years of age, his family was forced out of their home and he went to work starting when he was seven years old. When he was nine, his mother died. He lost his job as a store clerk when he was 20. He wanted to go to law school, but he didn't have the education. At age 23, he went into debt to be a partner in a small store. Three years later, the business partner died and resulted in debt that took years to repay. When he was 28, after courting a girl for four years, he asked her to marry him, and she said no. On his third try, he was elected to Congress at age 37. But then he failed to be reelected. His son died at, eight, at four years of age. When this man was 45, he ran for the Senate and lost. At age 47, he ran for the vice presidency and lost. If you looked at this guy's life up to this point, a lot went wrong, right? A lot of pain. Does anybody know who this is? Abraham, Abraham Lincoln. At age 51, he was elected president of the United States. A man who learned to face discouragement and moved beyond it. You know that it was Abraham Lincoln who, in the midst of the Civil War in 1863, established the annual celebration of Thanksgiving. The reason why we have an actual holiday of Thanksgiving is because of this guy who faced so many trials and difficulties and disappointments and seeming failure in his life in the midst of a Civil War. So you know what? We have a lot to be thankful for. And in your life this morning, I have no doubt, you can look back over the previous year and you have one of two options. You can look back over the previous year and you can see all the difficulties. You can see all the challenges. You see all the failure, all the discouragement, all the disappointment, all the pain, all the sickness, all the heartache. You see every bit of that and you can look at that and you can say, I've got nothing to be thankful for. Or, you can look at all of that, and through all of that, you can see God's provision and God providing, and even in in the pain of all of the things that this physical life can bring you, you can go to Psalm 103, my soul praise Yahweh, and all that is in is within me. Praise his holy name. My soul, praise the Lord, and do not forget all of his benefits. He forgives all your sins. He heals your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with goodness. Your youth is renewed like that of the eagle. The Lord executes righteous and justice for all the oppressed. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, rich in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our offenses. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him and his righteousness. So praise the Lord, all his angels of great strength who do his word, obedient to his command. Praise the Lord, all his armies, his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his workers in all the places where he rules. My soul, praise the Lord. Do you have a reason to praise the Lord this morning? Here's what I want to challenge you to do as we, as we close. We're just going to have a time of prayer. John Mark will come in just a moment and play softly. And as we stand, I just want you to, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, thank God for all of his blessings. Then if you need to hold that passage open Psalm 103 and look through it and pray that back to God basically saying God thank you that you don't treat me as my sins deserve and thank you for forgiveness. If you need to hold that open and you need to pray through that and thank God for the things listed in that do that but let's take a little bit of time this morning and simply bless and praise the Lord. Will you stand with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have any questions or want to know more about having a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact us online at hpbc.church. Please join us again next week as together we seek to know Christ and make Him known.